from Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Put my name up in the night. At this point, everybody knows that the Carolina Panthers are on the clock, that they'll pick first in the NFL draft. But as we inch closer towards that event in Kansas City, the question isn't just who will they pick. The question is also who's actually making the pick. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and your smart speakers just tell them, hey, play ESPN Radio. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, and Harry, this is a fair question to ask anytime you're talking about a first overall pick. When you start looking at the first overall pick, I, I, I love to have this mind, mindset, this like perfect world where an owner hires a GM and a coach and then just goes and sits in his office and counts his dollars all day like Scrooge McDuck and never gets involved with any of the football operations. But that's not real world, right? And uh, we are now finding out that the owner of the Carolina Panthers, David Tepper, has been very involved in being at Pro Days for CJ. Stroud. He'll be, uh, he is at the pro day uh, for Bryce Young. He's taking these kids out to dinner. There's a lot of involvement from the owner here and now has people looking around wondering, huh, who's actually making the first pick here? And rightfully so, because if you look at the last, I would say, five or six years for the Carolina Panthers, the quarterback position has been deficient for them, right? And they thought they had it with Teddy Bridgewater. Um, they also thought they had it with Sam Darnold. They thought they had it with Cam Newton bringing him back. And also they thought they had it when they decided to, you know, go trade for Baker Mayfield. All of those things, you could put X's beside them because they didn't work out for the Carolina Panthers. So David Tepper said he's going to take onus. He's going to go to all of these pro days. He's going to take these young men out to dinner. And he wants to see them in a different light. He understands what they can do on the football field, but he wants to see them, uh, how personable they are, how 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 controlled they can handle things in a setting when, you know, they have to run it. C.J. Stroud did a wonderful job of that yesterday. Bryce Young, I, I will continuously say over and over again, when I interviewed him for the Heisman, the, the maturity level. Like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in my 30s, Fitz, and I said, damn, how's Bryce Young more mature than me? <laughs> and, and he's in college still. But that, that's, that, that's the energy that he gave me, and you see it within his interviews or whatnot. But David Tepper being, being at all these pro days, I think it's, it's warranted. It's a need. And you see in the past, right, you've seen Daniel Snyder go to RG3's Pro Day and different guys. Also, you've seen Jimmy Haslam before taking Baker Mayfield going to his Pro Day. So when an owner really, really wants his hands in things, not saying that they don't, they're going to be at those pro days because they understand how big of a decision it is for their organization and also for their team. Yeah, and how much money is going to be spent for the billboard, right? Like, right. I, I think there's just a real inevitability here. When you're the first overall pick in the draft and you're a quarterback, the, the owner of the team is banking on you just not only being successful, but being the type of person that can sell seats for the next 5, 10, 15 years, and importantly for the next 2, 3 years while you're building around that young quarterback. Like, you've got to have the right feel for the city. And, I, and we talk about that all the time with Joe Burrow and the way uh, it's changed the way the Bengals are viewed as a franchise. While he wasn't first overall pick, Jalen Hurts has been such a perfect fit for the city of Philadelphia. Part of what 
David Tepper is going to have to figure out is who is not only great on the field, but is also great in the culture that is Charlotte, right? Like they can be great for the Carolina Panthers. And and I understand that. Like if I own a restaurant and I turn around and I hire a great chef, it doesn't mean that I'm not walking into the kitchen to figure out what's going on because it's my money on the line. And that's part of what I think when you talk about Tepper has to be part of this conversation. Now, you mentioned a moment ago, one of the more famous instances of Daniel Snyder uh, being very involved in the drafting of Robert Griffin III, which is why I peaked uh, my ears perked up this morning when RG3, ESPN football analyst, said this on Get Up to about David Pe- Tepper and making the first pick. What I would say for David Tepper is if you have any concerns about Bryce Young's height, understand that he has been this size relative to the competition around him his entire life. Yeah. So it's made him have to be an amazing processor, pre-snap and post-snap. And he's got to be one to two steps ahead of the, the defense, not just one or just playing the game. And the numbers that really matter to me is the fact that if you're small, they talk about you not being able to see over the offensive line. But the bottom line is Bryce Young, 22 to 3 touchdown to interception ratio, QBR of 94 out of 100 on throws in between the hashes. His height has never been a problem. But David Tepper being there mm-hmm. lets me know that he is picking the quarterback. Wow. Not the coach, not the GM. It all it's comes his. down to him. It's a strong statement, Harry, but mm-hmm. one that, frankly, makes a lot of sense. I mean, he is the person that signs all the paychecks, and he's got a lot on his mind for how this goes. Yeah, yeah he's a big boss. He's a big boss. He's the <laughs> owner. So, you know, when, when you've had deficiencies at that position, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, your owner is going to have his hands, and not just two of them. He's going to have his hands. He's going to have his feet. His feet. He's going to have his elbows. Everything involved in making this pick at the quarterback position. And – I understand exactly what RG3 is saying because a lot of people like to talk about Bryce Young and his size. Well, when you compare the numbers, him and C.J. Stroud, well, the last two years combined, see, Bryce Young had 8,200 yards, 79 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. C.J. Stroud, 8,100 yards, 85 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. So the numbers are similar. The only thing that might be off, I think it's two things that separate the two for me. Bryce Young was sacked. 57 times compared to C.J. Stroud's 25 times. 2021, the offensive line of Alabama, they struggled a little bit. But the thing that I love the most about Bryce Young between the two is that the, the instincts that he brings to the game. Not saying C.J. Stroud doesn't have it, but Bryce Young has it a little bit better. And if the game is on the line, which we've seen against the Auburn Tigers when you're backed up inside your own 10-yard line and you need a touchdown to send that game in overtime, if the game is on the line and I'm down six points and I had to pick between the quarterbacks who I want to take me down and lead me to get a touchdown and win that game, I'm choosing Bryce Young. Well, and that's the part of what they're going to be trying to figure out right now, not just at Pro Days, but through this entire process. That being said, Frank Reich, head coach of the Carolina Panthers, uh, made it clear about how they're evaluating quarterbacks in the draft and, and sort of what their mindset is in this process. We had other options to get up and looked at all those. And this is where I really Mr. Tepper, I thought, had some really great insight in the process as we evaluated those options. Um, his analysis of those options, I thought, was spot on and kind of helped push us to the right decision um, to get up to number one and and to make that decision and to be in control. So um, is there more pressure with that? I, I guess so, but I don't feel I don't feel it like that. I just feel like we're just looking. I feel more freedom. I feel more freedom where we can get we can actually get the guy that we want. We can take the time. We don't we're in the driver's seat. So I feel that more than I feel pressure. Think about Harry. I mean (laughs) You better believe you're in the driver's seat, coach, when you have the number one overall pick. (laughs) 
What, what other seat would you be in? <laughs> You're right. But like the way he even says, you know, Mr. Tepper had great analysis to help us figure out uh, mm-hmm. you know, going up there. He's telling you that this is this is Tepper's decision, which, I, again, I'm not faulting any of that. But I do think the important part of this conversation also comes down to what you really experience in a pro day. I don't think that the pro day is going to be the answer to any of these people on whether or not they're picked first or second in the draft. No, the tape's, and, the tape's too good. The and, tape's too good from, from from both of these prospects. But it's not even just that, man. I would say that it's the dinner the night before. There At you this go. point, if you're yep. going out to dinner with David Tepper and his wife, basically what you're doing in that moment is you're trying to convince this person just in a casual dinner atmosphere that you can be the guy that he can bank billions on, right? Like that. Think yes. about what that statement is. And it's not just about on the field. This is saying, can I get to know you and relate to you? So right now, all the media training and all the work on the field sort of takes a backseat to the ability to sit in the room and have it factor. And you you mentioned it earlier. You've been around Bryce Young. I think when you start factoring in the way these guys know how to handle themselves, that's going to be a huge part of the analysis to the owner making the decision. Well, that's why I thought you know, Bryce Young's pro day, C.J. Stroud's pro day, it's nothing those two guys can prove because of what their tape says. So now it's an owner saying, you know what, I want to take these guys out to dinner. I want to see who can wow me the most. I want to see who can be the most impressive. I want to see who is going to be the m- most mature guy and, and, and show me and my wife that they can control this organization and be the face of a franchise. And you go out into the community and people love them and, and shower the community with love and give them their time. Uh, when they're away from football that's what these dinners are about and I I can't sit here and say I fault David Tepper for doing it you're the owner of the team he's just not gonna be sitting back smoking cigars you know having a good time writing checks no he invested in this product and he want to make sure he wants to make sure he gets the best investment within his product. That's why he's doing this, doing this with these guys. And you know this from all your years in the league and anybody that's been in a, in, around uh, famous and rich people. It factor comes a lot of different ways. For some yes. people, it factor is the swagger of Joe Burrow. For some people, yes. the it factor is the knowledge and confidence of Peyton Manning. For some people, the it factor is the swagger of, of Jalen Hurts in a different way. None of these players have to be anybody other than themselves. Oh, I'm glad you brought that up, Fitz. But man, I'm, they, I, I, I'm glad and I, I don't mean to cut you off, but I'm glad you brought this up because, you know, I'm around a lot of wealthy people within business when I travel the world and the whole nine. And the one thing that they love is when people are authentic in themselves and don't try to kiss ass and to please them or please other people that are in the room. They're just 100% themselves. And that's what they embrace. That's what they're drawn to. They're not drawn to the fakeness and, oh, yes, yes, yes. And agreeing with everything they're saying. They want to hear your perspective on things. They want to know how you think versus always agreeing with, with the way they think. Well, well said. And it's about being authentic in that process, too. You know, and David Tepper and his wife go into these dinners. It's going to be about which prospect can at some point separate themselves by being authentic and having that level of it factor in a way that really connects with the Tepper family. And frankly, that's probably the right way because coaches, GMs come and go. But the relationship you want with your first overall pick is something you better hope can stick with you for the next decade as a franchise. We'll keep breaking it down, obviously. Bryce Young is going to throw today Alabama's Pro Day. We'll get you caught up on the latest as we hear it from there. But there's one team in the NFL making moves that completely contradict what their star quarterback said. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. 
I made it clear that my intention was to play, and my intention was to play for the New York Jets. Today, the New York Jets are the team to beat. The Jets and their fans should be ecstatic that Aaron Rodgers is going to be your quarterback because he is kicked off. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. This is Fitz and Harry. You can't rely on Aaron Rodgers for anything more than the year you're about to get him. So now you're going to blow up a young, talented roster with a bunch of old guys that don't have a better ceiling than those young guys have to appease Aaron Rodgers because that's the only shot you got. It's Why are you damaging your long-term future uh, for this short-term result when you can't bank on any of this moving forward? I, like The addition of these other players is baggage that I think needs to be part of the equation of evaluating whether or not Aaron Rodgers is worth it. That. Sounds familiar. That's right. It sure does sound familiar. And not just because that's the sexiest voice on ESPN Radio. It's because it's a take from this show. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. And that was as news began to leak that, you know, there were some roster considerations being made by the Jets in order to keep Aaron Rodgers happy, presuming he would sign there. And what's funny about that is, you know, we harmlessly put that clip up, Harry, and all of a sudden, Jets fans from out of nowhere are just taking all of it and destroying me for days. For days, I'm just getting absolutely annihilated on on Twitter by Jets fans that are mostly like, who is this moron? I've never heard of him. He's obviously never watched a Jets game. Every cliche that you could possibly imagine stacked onto the new one, which is, the media is just anti-Jets. So, yeah, I'm I'm just suffering through all of this. And then what happens yesterday? Oh, yesterday, Miko Harmon is added to their lineup. And immediately you said, what is that going to mean for Elijah Moore? One of the players we were talking about in that segment. And now Elijah Moore has been traded away from the Jets. I just got to take a second here and at least say, damn, y'all, like, calm down. We were right. I'm just, just saying, we were right. And, and, and it's the simple fact that as soon as they signed Miko Harmon yesterday, I said, well, you have two of the same players on one roster now. So I immediately knew that Elijah Moore wasn't going to be there, whether he was traded to the Packers, which probably wasn't going to happen because, as me and Evan talked about uh, before in the pre-show, you know, he didn't see eye to eye with Mike LaFleur. Matt LaFleur happens to be Mike LaFleur's older brother. So didn't see that happening, but he got traded away to the Browns. And rightfully so. But what did that add for the New York Jets? It added more ammo, right? It added more draft capital to their arsenal just in case they need it when they trade for Aaron Rodgers. Also, this also opens up room for another wide receiver to potentially come to the Jets and be on that roster. There's still potential a Corey Davis situation where they're either going to release him or he's going to be a part of a trade. Now it opens up a door more so for a guy named Odell Beckham Jr. or anybody else that they may want to bring in. That's what this move means to me. That's what this move should mean to a lot of other people as well. Yeah, and and look... I think this is a, a fine move. I, I have no problem with it. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't think either of us are sitting here wearing Elijah Moore fan club t-shirts. Like, I'm not starting the streak team for Elijah Moore. Like, he's a fine player, but it's not something that the Jets can't replace. I, there's a lot of logic behind it. I'm simply continually drilling back to the very beginning of this whole process, which was mm-hmm. the Jets are supposed to be the best roster for Aaron Rodgers because he can walk right in and they're going to be great. But he wants these players maybe with them. And then, uh, you know, Jets fans coming in and saying – 
use your brains and watch a Jets game. Well, uh, I'm doing both. I'm just also seeing the inevitability here. So, A, all y'all need to relax, R-E-L-A-X, and B, through this whole process, let's acknowledge the fact that the Jets are making changes to appease Aaron Rodgers, which is fine, but is allowed to be questioned. Now, you mentioned Odell Beckham Jr. Jeff Darlington, ESPN NFL reporter, gave us the latest on the Jets with that on Get Up This Morning. Oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> all right. Uh, and that's the most important thing I think about this conversation is the fact that just because you see this wide receiver room continuing to shift does not mean that they are done work. We should very much consider Odell Beckham Jr. still on the table as an option for the New York Jets. In fact, we can go even further to say that both sides would still like to see this done. Financials still in the way of actually finalizing this thing, but I th- still think that Odell Beckham Jr., We'll wind up with the New York Jets. Oh, my goodness. I'm telling you right now, this Jets team, this offense, with Brees Hall at the running back position, with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, you talk about Alan Lazard, uh, Garrett Wilson, Odell Beckham Jr., and then you have your your quick and shifty guy that you can do a lot of things with, and Miko Hartman. That's going to be scary. Just got to make sure your, your offensive line is intact. Makai Becton, I want to know how he's going to be coming back off of his injury. They signed Wes Schweitzer. Um, I'm, I'm really familiar with him because he was at Atlanta for a little bit. Uh, he's, he, they got him slotted at the center position at the moment. Can this offensive line or other moves that they may make on the offensive line, I don't know what they're going to do in the draft yet, can they be able to hold up? Because you look at the skill position players along with Aaron Rodgers, it could be pretty dangerous to go along with a top five defense. They just traded for Chuck Clark, who was second in team in tackles uh, for the Baltimore Ravens, who's going to add a lot of promise to their defense as well. Look, again, if you want to win in the AFC, I think you have to have an incredible quarterback and you have to have really good offensive weapons or a coach that can make the most out of chicken salad, right? And so uh, that's not easy to do. Right now, what we know is that the Jets are doing all of the right things to put explosive weapons around a quarterback that they realize they may get for one year, they may get for two. God only knows. Uh, God only knows what they're going to have to give up for him. But they're being aggressive and making sure they get the right weapons around him. I think that's what, if you want to compete with the Bills, that's what you're going to have to do. If you want to compete with the Chiefs, that's what you're going to have to do. And you're right. They have a lot of talent on the defensive side of the ball. This is, this is part of why the Jets made sense for Aaron Rodgers. I don't necessarily think that they needed to go out and make some of the additions they've, they've made, but that's where they wanted to spend their capital, and it, 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 it makes sense. I have no problem with it. This is just the inevitability when you go all in. So, uh, frankly, if it works and the Jets win a Super Bowl, nobody's going to complain about a single ounce of it. If any of it is an abject disaster, it doesn't come together well, then everybody will complain about any of these additions made simply to keep Aaron Rodgers happy. It's that simple. Well, but you, know, you want to know what these moves do tell me, though? It tells me that, yes, even though they have young guys and the future is bright for them, they want to win now. They don't want to wait two or three years to say, you know what, we have a contender. They want to win now. They see how close they were last year. They had a quarterback position really played them and and put them in a position to not make the playoffs. And Zach Wilson wasn't what they thought he was going to be, but maybe now he has an opportunity to learn behind Aaron Rodgers, like Aaron Rodgers learned behind Brett Favre. Also, like Jordan Love was able to learn behind Aaron Rodgers. So now you have a guy in Zach Wilson who you took with the second pick overall two years ago. Now he can learn uh, behind a future Hall of Famer on how to do things, how to see coverages, how to just take what the defense gives them. And then hopefully when Aaron Rodgers does leave, now you have a guy who's ready to be your quarterback in which you hope he was going to be when you first drafted him. Well, 
and, and remember, all of this comes back down to one very simple thing. There was not, apparently, according to Aaron Rodgers, any wish list that was ever gone, and he <laughs> pretended to not know Diana Rossini's name, although we had Diana on the show. Later, she mentioned she's been texting him for a long time to get information on him. So, you know, obviously there's some, but hey, this wish list that's now being fulfilled was obviously never really put out there. Whatever y'all got to tell yourself in the process. Uh, one thing I know is that uh, we will always talk about it because it's Aaron Rodgers, but... But Aaron Rodgers isn't the only huge star in a sport that might find himself on the move this summer. And one could change the face of the NBA moving forward. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. I would actually trade Zion. I would find someone and trade him because can you trust him to be your franchise guy? You can't trust that he's going to be available on the floor. 114 games in four years. At what point do we start talking about this like kind of a crisis for the Pelicans? This is starting to be a trend like every single season. But he's gone through injuries. He gained a whole bunch of weight. I don't trust him. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. You don't need a cup of coffee in the morning. Nope. All you need to perk you up is Perkins. Kendrick Perkins, ESPN NBA analyst, co-host of the Swagoo and Perk podcast, is going to hang out with us. Uh, obviously, we've got... Oh, we do have him now. Okay, there we go. Um, perk is here with us. Perk, we just played it for the world. You made uh, basketball heads everywhere start yelling and screaming. You said the Pelicans should trade Zion Williamson. Why is this the time in your mind that they should move on? Well, I'm just looking at what's going on for us, you know, his availability, right? Like, And people want to try to compare like, you know, the Joel Embiid situation and things to that nature. But Joel Embiid injuries was a lot way more severe when you think about, I believe it was his back and things to that nature when since he was coming out of college. So it was, with him, it was more so, it was a different situation. When I look at Zion and we talk about things like for your hamstring and I don't know, everybody uh, injuries is different, but you know, I think, you know, for myself, speaking from experience, I had a hamstring pull. And it's about what you do for us, you know, your treatment, what you put into your body. And it's like we continue to have these conversations. You know, a uh, man, uh, Zion might need to drop, you know, another 20 pounds or he come in the season and he's in great shape now. And then, you know, the Pelicans are at the top of the choice. He's playing at a high level that all of a sudden, we don't see him no more. And then we get the news that, oh, he'll be reevaluated in two weeks. Well, the season going to be over. So if I'm the Pelicans, at what point do I really sit down at the table and say, is this a guy that I could rely on for my future to have as my franchise superstar guy? And if you're not concerned, then you're lying to yourself. And so when I said it yesterday, yes, I would consider trading Zion. You have Brandon Ingram. You have C.J. McCullough. You have Murphy. You have uh, the kid Jackson Hayes, who I believe is going to 
going to have a bright future and they're going to continue to build. Yes, they're going through growing pains, but at what point do you really evaluate can you build around Zion and is he going to be reliable? Well, you, you have to. If you're the New Orleans Pelicans from the owner, the front office, and you know the head coach, Willie Green, these things have to be considered because 114 games in four years, that's not going to cut it. And there are questions, though, right? Are you able to build around a guy like Zion if he's not out there on the floor helping you? And I'll tell you, they're sitting right now in the 12th seed. Before the season started, I had high hopes for this team, but that was with Zion on the court. He hasn't been able to do that for, for, for a consistent amount of time. So in your eyes, Perk, what team should be interested in actually trading for Zion this offseason? And, and, you know, th- th- here's the thing. When I said it yesterday on television, people was like, well, what organization would trade for him? Well, I mean, he still have a name. He still has that superstar caliber potential. They have – teams that would actually bite and they the and the Pelicans would actually get a great package for him. Again, it's not taking anything away from Zion him as a player, but I mean if you're looking around like and you're a team like maybe I don't know, the Jazz, if you're a team like, you know, the Spurs, if you're a team like the Pistons who have some bright young talent like you have to reevaluate your situation, even if you're a team like the Toronto Raptors. You know what I'm saying? Or the, you know, like you have to see like what's out there. You know what I mean? Like they have a lot of teams that will bite on Zion Williamson. We're talking to Kendrick Perkins, ESPN NBA analyst, obviously hanging out with us on Fitz and Harry. Uh, all right, let's move on to the Mavericks. Uh, everybody yelling about it. First take, get up. Everybody today has been yelling about uh, the Mavericks are now appealing the call that gave the Warriors two easy points in the third quarter. I'm just struggling to understand it, so educate me, Perk, because it wasn't the end of the game. It was the third quarter. Why, why would you put in an appeal to change the outcome of a game based on a third quarter call? Because it came down to the wire. But like I always say, if you handle your business throughout the course of the game, then you wouldn't have to worry about the appeal, right? Like, there's so many other plays that, that you could have taken away that you had control of that you wouldn't have to worry about appealing one play or going back and replaying this and things to that nature. And one, it showed the importance of that game last night. And Zach Lowe brought it up. He was like, this is one of the most important games of the season. And it pretty much was. But on top of that, my thing is is this. I watched the Dallas Mavericks. They missed about eight to ten layups, you know, like you want to appeal that. I watched them give up so many points in transition layups, you want to appeal that. I watched them break defensive coverages that were simple, you want to appeal that. Like, you, you, you can't appeal everything. And I, it's not one single game that I've watched in my entire career and post-career basketball, that referees get it right every single play. Like, it was miscommunication, yes. They should take ownership for that. But at the end of the day, my thing is, go back and replay. What happened? What could your team done in the first quarter, the second quarter, uh, besides that play in the third quarter? What they could have done in the fourth quarter better? Like, that's the thing that gets to me. And Perk, really quick before we let you go, 
Austin Reeves, man, 25 points, 11 assists last night. Ooh. Perk, I, sh- I should have known he was different when he when he was going to give Josh Green the business on the sideline, right at the, at the scores table. I should have known something was different about yeah. him. What do you think about his play and what he's meant to the Lakers so far this season? Oh, he's been great. He's been great, especially at that point guard position. He's so poised. He's so under control. He's not afraid of the moment, and he's a damn dog. Like you're not gonna punk him. Like he, he's coming out there and he and he feel like he's, you know, one of those guys. And that's how he's playing right now. And when you when you have that type of energy within yourself, but then also you see guys like Braun, your 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 franchise guys, Braun and A D, they also believe in you along with your head coach, that takes your confidence to a whole nother level. Like this kid could flat out play, and he has one of those underdog stories. If you look at his journey, I believe not being recruited out of high school, having to go, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, take the rough road for us getting into a D1 before a major D1 before he got to Oklahoma. Like he had to prove himself his entire life, and those are the guys that you have to watch out for. And he has the package; he can shoot. He has a high IQ. He's a dog. And they love him over there in the Lakers, and they should. He's been playing some exceptional basketball. Uh, you know, we love you over here on this show, Perk, as always, man. Thanks for the expertise. We appreciate you hanging out with us. I appreciate y'all. Thank y'all. That's Kendrick Perkins, ESPN NBA analyst. Uh, don't forget, check out Swaggoo and Perk. Great podcast. Fitz and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance. At Progressive, they're making things even easier. They'll help you bundle your home and car insurance together so you can save on both. Learn more at Progressive.com. Or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. All right, coming up, there's one thing that everybody's making a huge deal about last night in the controversy around the NBA. It's for all the wrong reasons. We'll tell you about it. But first, Harry's got to tell you about this from O'Reilly. Ladies and gentlemen, don't miss Power Torque Tools DIY days now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Power Torque hand tools come with a lifetime guarantee. Right now, you can save big on the best hand tools, power tools, jacks, and even more. Let the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts help you find the right power torque tools for your next DIY project. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts or visit O'ReillyAuto.com. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Sometimes I see everybody else in pure panic mode. And I try and figure out what I'm missing. That was today. But the more I dig in to what people are yelling about, the more I just feel like everybody else is getting it wrong. There was controversy in the NBA last night, but was there really? Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. And Harry, uh, obviously everybody today has been talking a lot about the Mavericks who have filed a protest of Wednesday night's loss to the Warriors. There was some confusion over which team had possession of the ball that led to an uncontested dunk for the Warriors late in the third quarter. So according to the Cuban, the Mavs believed the refs had signaled it was their ball. A timeout was then called. Cuban said the refs changed the call to the Warriors' ball 
during the timeout but never told Dallas. With confusion, Cuban said Warriors uh, center Kevon Looney got his uncontested dunk off an inbounds pass with 156 left in the third. Uh, obviously, the chief crew spoke on this in a pool report interview afterwards, said the refs had in fact originally awarded possession of the ball to Golden State. So Cuban is now putting a protest in writing. He also has to give $10,000 for that protest. Not the first time that he's protested it, but very rare. The league hasn't turned a result around uh, since 2008. But I keep looking at this, Harry, and I'm thinking about the fact that we're all yelling about it. And all I think about is the timing. I can't imagine sitting here today having this same conversation about a pass interference call in the third quarter and why it suddenly changed the outcome of the end of a football game. This wasn't 30 seconds left. This was the third quarter. Get over it. Well, I would even say this. When you look at basketball and football, two different, totally different sports. Yeah. Right? Because, you know, you can have a pass interference call that, that's on a third down and that can make a difference, right, if the, if the drive is going to be continued and they go down and be able to score. Well, you look at two points – well, I look at the referee when the call was made. He signaled Golden State ball. Then he signaled the Dallas that had a timeout. And then when Kevon Looney went to the referee, was saying no, because he was a little bit confused too. He actually pointed at the Golden State uh, side saying it's y'all's ball. Now, a player for the Dallas Mavericks was right in front of him when this was occurring and going down as well. So I don't understand, you know, you know, why people are so confused. And I know people are talking about even the Mavs announcer announced Mavs ball. Well, he was wrong. He was wrong, too. And I can clearly see with my eyes what the referee did. I don't know why everybody else did it. I, for me, it still comes back, because you're right, but it still comes back to if this was a buzzer beater bad call, then I'm calling the then league. Then that's a difference. But right. like, if you, have a to- you have a lot of time left in the game. We have no and like, idea. And like, and, like, and like Perk just mentioned. There, uh, if you handle your business, if you do things within that game, get stops, or if you're better offensively, then it doesn't come down to that. Like uh, there has to be this point too, where uh, you know, if you were my age, there were books called Choose Your Own Adventure books, right? And so you would get to a spot, and it's like, do you want to go left or right down the hallway? And if you pick left, you go to page <laughs> sixty-two, and if you pick right, go to page eighty-four. And like, so the books differ depending on which way you go. Sports are a lot like that within a game where you can say, okay, that one basket could have made a difference or it might not have. It might have changed some of the strategy moving forward. It might not have. Now, Jason Kidd, the Mavs head coach afterwards, talked specifically about the confusion. This is some of what he said. It wasn't really explained. I think there's a lot of confusion. People were out of position. The court was split. We're on one side and the Warriors on another. And you have uh, a referee on the baseline. Mike was on the baseline. So I would assume Mike thought it was our ball too. If there's confusion, it's easy to just come in and blow the whistle and and get us restarted. We thought it was our ball. It's easy. It's it's correctable. um, But you first have to admit there was a mistake. But there wasn't. And so we, we have to continue to keep playing. No, I'll give him this. Now, I did think the ref probably should have stopped things. And, hey, uh-uh, it's the Warriors ball. Everyone come back down to this end of the floor. I do agree with him in those regards. But that's the only, I think, hiccups that the ref had in that, in that case. Yeah, and for me, I keep looking at even that and saying, you're right. The ref probably could have handled that better. There's a big difference between the ref could have handled it better versus 
uh, uh, a protest being filed with the league versus Luca going over that. and like Luca giving the dollar signs, like, you know, cash money sign to the refs to hearing some of the chatter coming from it. Like, there's a difference between I don't like the way this was communicated versus this was all fixed and the league has it out for us. Like, the, the, just the willingness in this situation for the Mavericks to play victim doesn't make any sense to me. In, in a game that came down to one bucket, I understand that one bucket makes a big difference. And with as tight as the playoffs are in the West, I understand why that makes a difference. But to, to come in long after the game and point to that being the reason, uh, to me, that all speaks to play play through the, the situation you got, play better emotionally, handle it all, and, and just deal with the outcome. Well, here's this. I'm glad you brought up Luca. Him signaling the money sign towards the refs, on not just one time, but multiple times throughout that game, well, he's lucky he didn't get a technical foul and get kicked out the game or get suspended for the next game because you know he's, he's over his limit. So that's what, that's what Jason Kidd is talking about growing up, right, being more mature, those little things like that because he could have hurt his team and not been able to play the next game when his team needs him. They're fighting for a playoff spot right now. I, you, you just mentioned growing up and acting more mature. I mean, essentially at this point, you got a, a coach sitting at a press conference long after, not taking any ownership for the way the rest of the game played out. You got an owner filing a protest saying, but it wasn't fair. And then you're looking at your star player and you're saying, well, you really need to grow up. How? Like, at some point, yeah. everybody's got to look at this and be like, well, even if you walk out and say, don't love the way it played out, but obviously we've got to do a better job with the opportunities we have. Like, I'm not a coach, and I can understand coach speak in this, but if your owner and your coach and your star player are all acting this way about one call from the third quarter, I, th- it just makes no sense to me, and it speaks to immaturity from the top to the bottom. Hey, I know what hurt the Dallas Mavericks when Draymond Green got that and one late in the game. Don't allow that to happen. That's what really hurt Dallas when, when Draymond got that and one towards the end of the game. It put the, I, th- I think it put the Warriors up three points at that, at that spot. And uh, you never know. You just never know how this stuff's going to play out. But Luka throwing that level of shade at the refs. I, I mean, refs have their way of throwing shade back too. So I don't know that I'd want to open that can of worms either if I'm an NBA player. Obviously, it's a big controversy to everybody else. I just think... Everybody else got it wrong. One thing everybody won't get wrong, quarterbacks. There's one thing way more important than Bryce Young's height as he takes the field at Alabama's Pro Day today. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. 